All right, let's get to it. This is the Servative Hour, an hour of anti-conservative movement, call-in talk radio. Let me get the volume adjusted to a better level here. There we go. And when I choose topics, I try to come up with things that where I'm not talking about the same thing all the time. Last three weeks have talked about the city elections. Before the election, night of the election, recap of uh, the results, thoughts about that. And <clears throat> on any topic, because I'm looking to counter a narrative by the conservative movement, I always look for the lie and then try to let people know where they can look up the truth if they care to find out what it is. Make it easy for them. The lie being told in the election was that crime was much worse in Lincoln than it actually was and that the reason crime was so high was because we had a Democratic mayor. So I pointed out how there were five smaller cities and one larger city in Nebraska with more crime. And I believe they all had Republican mayors. So, oh, and it tied into a lot with the national conservative movement narrative and also that our mayor had spoke with demonstrators uh, lobbying for more accountability for the police and compared that to the Omaha mayor where protester got shot and killed the shooter later shot himself and the city got sued for trapping some demonstrators on a bridge and hauling them away rather than allowing them to disperse. Which, I guess, is the conservative movement way of handling things. However, three shows on the city elections in a row is certainly not <clears throat> varying the topics, but, of course, always serving the community and talking about local controversies have a priority. Well, this show have national topic where uh, the most important thing is finding the lie, pointing it out, and uh, letting people know where they can find the information for themselves. I uh, called into KFAB today to point out that the Russia investigation wasn't centered on and didn't depend on the Steele dossier. Since that's the case John Durham is making, if it weren't for the Steele dossier, he really wouldn't have anything to complain about. Of course, the Russia investigation, the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, wasn't based on 
or dependent on the Steele dossier, it actually started when uh, George Papadopoulos, a Trump campaign official, told uh, an Australian diplomat, Alexander Downer, during a meeting in a London bar in May of 2016, that Russia had thousands of emails that would embarrass Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton and Russia was going to help the Trump campaign. So, the Australian diplomat, and this can all be looked up by looking up George Papadopoulos, I'm sure spell check will help you with that name, goes uh, P-A-P-A-D-O-P-O-U-L-O-S, and Australian diplomat, and all the articles will pretty much cover it. <clears throat> it was in May of 2016. The diplomat told the FBI right away. And the Crossfire Hurricane investigation was opened in July of 2016. Whereas the Steele dossier wasn't completed until December of 2016 wasn't uh, even commissioned uh, until June of 2016. So, and uh, wasn't published in uh, the BuzzFeed News until uh, January of 2017. You see the timeline there. Anyway, <clears throat> to get to the topic for this May 16th, 2023, it is How Much of a Dud is the John Durham Report? And of course, uh, Give to Lincoln Fun Drive is still going on. I don't have any music set up to put on if someone should call for me to take their information. I suppose I could put on the promos for give to Lincoln Fund Drive until they, well, until I've gotten all the information written down. Uh, but mostly, if you call in, it will be to comment and give your own opinions and uh, to uh, your own answer to the question, how much of a dud is the John Durham report? And I, of course, welcome anyone who would like to say it wasn't a dud at all, that uh, it was a bombshell and make that case, uh, we'd love to debate sometime. But we'll see if that happens. <clears throat> Phone number here is 402-474-5086. And begin with mediamatters.org, the Durham Report, and the inevitable end of Fox's anti-Mueller farce. It's by Matt Gertz from May 16th, 2023. Sean Hannity and his Fox News colleagues spent years furiously defending Donald Trump by denouncing special counsel Robert Mueller's federal probe of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election as a witch hunt. They promised that prosecutor John Durham 
would expose its origins as a criminal conspiracy that reached the highest levels of the Obama administration. Now that four-year investigation is closed after Durham failed to garner prison time for a single person. But Hannity is still crowing that he's been proved right. And since Media Matters, it does documentation of what the conservative movement uh, people are saying. And since you can hear that everywhere, and I try to bring things that you won't hear so much everywhere to the show, and we'll have more of that later. So I'll just skip over what Handy Hannity had to say and go on to... <coughs> A further down paragraph. <clears throat> when Trump administration Attorney General William Barr appointed Durham special counsel in October 2020, he authorized Durham to investigate whether any federal officials, employee, or any other person or entity violated the law in connection with the intelligence, counterintelligence, or law enforcement activities directed at the 2016 presidential campaigns individuals associated with those campaigns, and individuals associated with the administration of President Donald J. Trump, including, but not limited, limited to Crossfire Hurricane, and the investigation of Special Counsel Robert S. Mueller III, and to prosecute federal crimes resulting from that inquiry. That was all a quote, which, it's, which is why it sounded very legal and thorough. Durham's investigation ultimately led to only three indictments. He secured a guilty plea from FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith, who altered a document used to justify the surveillance of a Trump campaign aide. That was when he uh, altered an email to say that the Steele dossier had been verified, whereas the email originally said it uh, had not been verified, to get an extension on a warrant which was already in place because, once again, the Russia investigation was not based on or centered on the Steele dossier. It was just this Kevin Kleinsmith trying to get an extension on a warrant that was already there. So he said... They actually, the judge says, so you got anything new? And he said, well, yeah, there's this steel dossier. Yeah, so extend the warrant. That was the extent of the involvement of the steel dossier in the whole Russia investigation. And the only time anything was done for which, uh, yeah, Kevin Kleinsmith uh, was sentenced to probation. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> and was sentenced to probation. Durham's prosecutions of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman and Russian national Igor Danchenko on false statement charges were both unsuccessful. Having failed to successfully identify and prosecute crimes, Durham dramatically expanded the purview of his final report and filed what amounts to a 300-plus page op-ed. The report drew headlines, overwrought cable news outbursts, and over-the-top statements from GOP officials for its criticism of both the FBI's 2016 decision to initiate Crossfire Hurricane, the investigation that ultimately became the Mueller probe, 
<coughs> and its conduct of that inquiry. Durham's take disagrees with a previous assessment from the Justice Department Inspector General that the probe was properly predicated, but Durham ultimately concludes that, in his opinion, the Crossfire Hurricane probe, quote, could have been opened more appropriately as an assessment or preliminary investigation. That's the actual quote from Durham, but on the right-wing radio, they're saying that uh, Durham said that there was no reason to open any kind of investigation. That's the end of that quote. Okay, which uh, Just Security Ryan Goodman notes would almost certainly have eventually become a full investigation in any case. Durham's shell game pales compared to Mueller's results. The Mueller probe generated 37 indictments and successful prosecutions or guilty pleas from former Trump's former campaign manager, top national security advisor, and longtime legal fixer and political advisor, among others, and his final report detailed the Russian government's systematic effort to influence the 2016 presidential election in order to help Trump, the many ways Trump's associate associates participated in that endeavor and how the then president sought to obstruct the probe <clears throat> durham's meager achievements also fall dramatically short of what hannity and his crew said he would accomplish and uh, let's see i'll skip down from what hannity had to say deep state okay i'll just read the uh end of it. Four years later, Durham's probe is over. He never ensnared Obama or Comey or Brennan or Clapper or McCabe or Stroke or Page or Baker. He managed a single guilty plea from a low-level official who didn't serve a day, day in jail. But he did provide Hannity with fodder for hundreds of frothy segments and for a Fox host who seems to think his viewers aren't very smart, that's apparently enough to declare a win. And if you want to read that in full with all the things Hannity had to say, <coughs> which they document, that can be found on MediaMatters.org under the headline, The Durham Report and the Inevitable End of Fox's Anti-Mueller Farce. I did pretty well when uh, presenting some of the evidence for why there was uh, why it would have been irresponsible not to have investigated all the Russian agents and spies and Russian money and assistance from Russian military intelligence uh, supporting the Trump campaign. I got around to mentioning uh, Paul Manafort and that if you Look up Manafort, that's with the T at the end, M-A-N-A-F-O-R-T, and uh, Ukraine. There's a lot to read there about how Paul Manafort was, uh, well, I, I said we've really been at war with Russia since 2014 when the people of Ukraine threw out their Putin puppet president, uh, Viktor Yanukovych, along with his uh, campaign manager, 
Paul Manafort, who, uh, Paul Manafort, was, uh, oh, you know, coordinating the uh, Russian military intelligence's assistance to uh, Viktor Yanukovych's campaign with uh, their many bots and trolls and money laundered into the campaign and uh, dirty tricks of sorts. And when uh, Viktor Yanukovych and Paul Manafort, uh, his aide, his uh, campaign director, uh, were uh, evicted, he came to the United States. Uh, that's uh, Paul Manafort. I think Viktor Yanukovych went to Belarus or uh, Moscow or something. But uh, Paul Manafort came to the United States and became a campaign director for uh, the Trump campaign. And then when Donald Trump got the nomination, he became uh, the director of the uh, chair of the Republican Party's presidential campaign, where he gave insider polling data to Russian military intelligence by way of uh, Russian military intelligence operative Konstantin Kolimnik, who was his aide when he was in Ukraine, so the Russian military intelligence could better target their many uh, millions of bots and trolls down to individuals uh, uh, influencing them for how they might vote or uh, look at uh, reality. And they're still doing it. So I mentioned, uh, you know, Paul Manafort and Ukraine and how... Uh, really been at war with Russia since 2014 because it made Putin very angry that, uh, you know, his puppet had been deposed in Ukraine. So he decided to get a puppet in the United States. Hey, revenge. And has been, uh, I got managed to, you know, mention that I believe the conservative movement and the Republican Party and, um, you know, the Team Trump were all in a relationship of mutual assistance and admiration with uh, Putin's Russia. And, oh, earlier the KFAB host had been going on about uh, Trump's peace plan for Ukraine, which consists pretty much of handing Ukraine over to Russia, cutting off any funding... <laughs> It's the humanitarian thing to do. There's so much suffering there. Yeah, and the, and the suffering would certainly end if someone who was uh, wait, had you know, waging wars of aggression, committing crimes against humanity, having his uh, military engage in rape, murder, and torture as a matter of policy, of tactics. Certainly... If we weren't saying such mean things about him, how can we possibly, you know, settle this until we see things from his point of view? Yeah, and then they say, oh, no, no, no involvement, uh, no collusion with Russia, no. But if you look on Russian state media, something like Sputnik News, you'll see that... Uh, their editorial point of view is all for uh, you know, Freedom Caucus and uh, the Trumpers. and uh, It's really pretty identical to what you might read on Fox News or Newsmax or uh, any of those outlets. 
And certainly, oh, they're just jumping for joy over this John Durham report and going on about the Steele dossier and uh, how Hillary Clinton paid for it. It was all a fake. Why, they have nothing to do with the Trump campaign or the Republican Party or the conservative movement or uh, or with groups like uh, the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru movement who were recently indicted for having uh, Russian money fun- funneled to them as was uh, yet another GOP operative for having Russian money uh, funneled through him into the Trump campaign. All you need to do is look up uh, GOP operative Russian money convicted. Yeah, he was actually convicted, not just indicted. Still, they'll say, oh, it was such a lie that anything to do with Russia. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to be making the case on this show. I mentioned the O. Steele dossier, so about that. The Steele dossier, also known as the Trump-Russia dossier, is a controversial political opposition research report written from June to December 2016 containing allegations of misconduct, conspiracy, and cooperation between Donald Trump's presidential campaign and the government of Russia prior to and during the 2016 election campaign. So far, so good. Several key allegations made in June 2016 were later corroborated by the January 2017 report by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, namely that Vladimir Putin favored Trump over Hillary Clinton. Well, he said as much that he personally ordered an, quote, influence campaign to harm Clinton's campaign and to undermine public faith in the U.S. democratic process, end quote, that he ordered cyber attacks on both parties and that many Trump campaign officials and associates had numerous secretive contracts with Russian agents. All true. While Steele's documents played a significant role in initially highlighting the general friendliness between Trump and the Putin administration, the veracity of specific allegations is highly variable. Some have been publicly confirmed, others are plausible but not specifically confirmed, and some are dubious in retrospect but not strictly disproven. Okay. And it also goes on to say a little bit later, the Federal Bureau of Investigation investigated every line of the dossier and identified and spoke with at least two of Steele's sources. The Mueller report contained passing references to some of the dossier's allegations, but little mention of its more sensational claims. Many allegations in the dossier have been dismissed by authorities or remain unverified, While the dossier played a role in the seeking of FISA warrants on Carter Page, it did not play any role in the intelligence community's assessment about Russia's actions in the 2016 election, and it was not the trigger for for the opening of the Russia investigation into whether the Trump campaign was coordinating with the Russian government's interference in the 2016 presidential election. 
The dossier is a factor in several conspiracy theories promoted by Trump and his supporters in the media and in Congress. And, of course, you can read all about that under Steele Dossier. That was from wikipedia.org. But it was really George Papadopoulos that was the reason for uh, the opening of the investigation. Drunk, drunk blabbing to an Australian diplomat. I have a story about that from uh, NBCNews.com. Let me get the date on this. Let's see, it's uh, December 31st, 2017. The headline is Papadopoulos bragged to Australian diplomat was key factor in FBI's Russia probe. Dot dot report. <clears throat> An Australian diplomat's tip appears to have helped persuade the FBI to investigate Russian meddling in the U.S. election and possible coordination with the Trump campaign, the New York Times reported. And Washington. An Australian diplomat's tip appears to have helped persuade the FBI to investigate Russian meddling in the U.S. election and possible coordination with the Trump campaign, the New York Times reported Saturday. Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos told the diplomat Alexander Downer during a meeting in London in May 2016 that Russia had thousands of emails that would embarrass Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton, the report said. Downer, a former foreign minister, is Australia's top diplomat in Britain. <coughs> Australia passed the information on to the FBI after the Democratic emails were leaked, according to the Times, which cited four current and former U.S. and foreign officials with direct knowledge of the Australians' role. Quote, The hacking and the revelation that a member of the Trump campaign may have had inside information about it were driving factors that led the FBI to open an investigation in July 2016 the newspaper said. And like I said, that's an article from <clears throat> December 31st, 2017. But that's what uh, started the uh, investigation called Crossfire Hurricane, which later became the Mueller investigation, not the Steele dossier. It's now 11.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time. And this is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD 89.3 FM, KZUM.org online. Oh, as of Tuesday, 3 p.m., listeners have donated... $27,627. So we are on our way towards our goal of $45,000. <clears> you have until Wednesday, May 24th at 11.59 p.m., although I wouldn't wait to the last minute, to because sometimes it takes a while to figure out those websites, you know, uh, or to mail in the check, to make a donation that will receive a percentage matched by the Give to Lincoln Fund. 
So head to kzum.org now. Thank you. And, of course, I will remind you that uh, Give to Lincoln will not process a donation without an email. That uh, the Lincoln Community Foundation matches a percentage of every dollar we raise. That all checks need to be made out to the, quote, Lincoln Community Foundation with, quote, KZUM in the subject line. And all checks need to be at KZUM by 9 p.m. on Give to Lincoln Day, Wednesday, May 24th, so we can deliver them in time. And all donations made by 11.59 p.m. online on Give to Lincoln Day, Wednesday, May 24th, will be eligible for the percentage match. Although, as I said, since sometimes it takes a little while to figure out things online, I wouldn't wait till 11.57 to uh, begin that process. And the weather. It's now 64 degrees Fahrenheit, clear skies, no wind. Tomorrow's temperature is forecast to be warmer than today. And the low tonight will be 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And the high tomorrow, 85. Mm, warm. Well, <clears throat> this is, uh, oh, which, this is from thedailybeast.com. John Durham owes the American people an apology for wasting their money. Nothing burger <clears throat> is a graphic, and it says four years and millions of taxpayer dollars later, Durham's report just validated the FBI's opening of the Russia probe. The special counsel, not the FBI, should say sorry. This is from May 16th, 2023. Special counsel John Durham's final report reveals that four years, a $6.5 million spend, and many dining dates with former Attorney General Barr yielded nothing. As a prosecutor who served as a supervisor on an independent counsel investigation, I find Durham's investigation to be a complete waste of taxpayer dollars. Recall that Durham was handpicked by Barr to investigate the probe commenced by the FBI in 2016 into ties between the Trump campaign and Russia that formed the basis for the investigation by special counsel Robert Mueller. <clears throat> the Mueller probe yielded indictments of 34 individuals, two companies, and convictions of top Trump campaign officials. By comparison, Durham's investigation sent no one to jail, but did manage to lose two jury trials, including the final loss in which Durham personally got into the well of the courtroom to make various arguments to the jury justifying his own investigation. Contrary to the expect expectations set by former President Donald Trump, Durham failed to produce any evidence of what Trump promised to be, quote, the crime of the century, presumably involving the, quote, deep state conspiracy, 
mantra of Trump supporters and sent no one to jail. <clears throat> what Durham did do was aid and abet the killing of a lot of trees by producing a 300-plus page report that reads like a plagiarized version of the 2019 report by the Justice Department's Office of Inspector General, in which Inspector General Michael Horowitz concluded that the FBI properly opened the Russia probe, code named Crossfire Hurricane, and found no evidence of political bias by the FBI. The OIG's report contained a meticulous analysis of the Russia probe and offered criticisms of the FBI's then process for utilizing FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, warrants that resulted in reforms undertaken by the FBI. Plagiarists usually try to pass off others' work as their own by paraphrasing and adding a few original ideas of their own. <clears throat> Durham adds nothing new to the OIG report, but does sound like he pulled from Wikipedia concepts like confirmation bias to make it look like he was adding new conclusions to what the OIG had already concluded. Of course, confirmation bias is a real psychological term defined roughly as how people are biased toward confirming their existing beliefs. But it shouldn't take four years and $6.5 million to warn that confirmation bias isn't among the best practices for criminal investigations, or, for that matter, any investigation. Following, <clears throat> following the release of the OIG's 2019 conclusion that the FBI had acted properly in opening the case, Durham immediately made a public announcement that he disagreed with some of its conclusions, quote, as to predication and how the FBI case was opened. Durham made this statement despite his own admission that his investigation was still ongoing. His statement was greeted with incredulous doubt. <laughs> with incredulity by former FBI Director James Comey, who said he could make no sense of it and warned Durham, quote, don't be a part of the sliming of the IG and the department as a whole. Do your work, end quote. Durham at least seemed to have taken the do your, your work part of that admonition to the tune of four more years on the taxpayer's dime. But Durham's 2019 bravado ended with a whimper as his report ended up supporting the conclusion in the 2019 OIG, that's the Office of Inspector General report, that the FBI had properly opened the investigation, although Durham does quibble over whether it should have been opened as a preliminary investigation rather than a full investigation. He offers almost nothing in the way of recommending policy change or reform for the FBI, besides a half-hearted suggestion at the very end of the report that the FBI should have an official designated to, quote, challenge politically sensitive allegations. Arguably, that kind of red team function is already fulfilled by the lawyer's layers of scrutiny that accompany any politically sensitive investigation. <clears throat> Durham also lacks any moral authority to lecture the FBI or anyone else 
about concerns over political bias when his entire investigation originated with Barr's efforts to politically weaponize the DOJ. Durham's investigation was so compromised that his own top aide, a respected career prosecutor, resigned in protest over Barr's pressuring Durham to issue a report prior to the 2020 presidential election. Presumably, such pressure was intended by Barr to help Trump in the election by undermining the legitimacy of the Russia probe. Another lawyer resigned in protest over Durham's decision to indict a lawyer with ties to the Clinton campaign. Further calling into question Durham's motivations is a notable absence from his report of the allegations made against Trump by Italian officials in the fall of 2019. These allegations involved a tip from an Italian official that linked Trump to financial crimes and were serious enough to merit investigation, but Barr and Durham decided to have Durham do the investigation even though it would not appear to fall within Durham's investigation mandate. Durham never brought criminal charges, and there is no mention of the allegations or what investigation Durham undertook in his final report. In response to Durham's report, FBI Director Chris Wray stated that the FBI's current processes, many based on reforms instituted after the 2019 OIG report, would have prevented many of the, quote, missteps identified in Durham's report. End quote. In my opinion, this was an unnecessary defensive statement by Ray. The FBI's opening of the Russia probe has been validated, so it has nothing to apologize for. It's John Durham who owes an apology to Americans for having wasted their money. And I skipped over a little bit of that, so if you wanted to read that in full, can be find un- found under the headline... John Durham owes the American people an apology for wasting their money. That can be found on thedailybeast.com. And the phone number here is 402-474-5086. It is a call-in show. It's actually the only broadcast radio call-in show in Lincoln, Nebraska, where you can call in and talk about serious or controversial things. I would think people would want to take advantage of that. Maybe talk up their favorite issue. You don't necessarily have to call in about the topic of the night. It's nice if you can. And, of course, if you want to donate to KZUM, I will take the call find something to put on, maybe more promos for uh, Give to Lincoln Day, Give to KZUM, and take your information from you. But generally, if you call in, I will uh, put you on the air and get your opinion, your uh, answer to the question, how much of a dud is the John Durham report? Like next week, I might do a show. It's so difficult to come up with how to frame topics sometimes. It's usually the morning of the show that I actually post what the topic will be. I want to talk about how all this is used to justify... Oh, well, really uh, 
assisting in Vladimir Putin's agenda for the United States to justify destroying all the agencies and institutions of the government of the United States, <clears throat> of uh, destroying our alliances with all of our allies, and of course, handing Ukraine over to Russia. Now, I just read from John Durham owes the American people an apology for wasting their money. I did mention how looking up Paul Manafort and Ukraine, there's a lot to read there. So I'll read a little bit of what you might find there. The first article that comes up on such a search on simply Manafort and Ukraine. From ProPublica.org, <clears throat> oh, there's a phone call. KZUM, you're on the air. Hi there. I was just wondering your opinion about Robert Kennedy. What are your thoughts about him? Well, I think he's this election's Jill Stein, that he's a Russian asset, and he's uh, the candidate of Tucker Carlson and the conservative movement media and they hope to have him as a spoiler in this upcoming election. Okay, thank you, sir. Certainly, thank you. And, uh, yeah, Robert Kennedy Jr. Very much for handing Ukraine over to Putin's Russia very much for uh, cutting off aid to Ukraine, very much for uh, withdrawing from NATO, saying, NATO, Europe, you're on your own. And as I mentioned, the conservative movement media local radio host that I called into this afternoon They'll make the case that uh, it's the humanitarian thing to do, to cut off aid to Ukraine, to force them to bend to Putin's will, do whatever it is that he wants them to do, to end the suffering. As though once Putin occupied Ukraine and the country bent to his will, that there wouldn't be a whole lot of vengeance wrecked, wreaked on any who had opposed him and the elimination of those folks. After, of course, some raping and torturing before they were murdered. I don't really think that's the humanitarian or the peace candidate thing to do. But yeah, he's being held up out there. Boy, conservative movement media doing so much campaigning for Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. that uh, hell, they might as well have him be Trump's running mate. He's another useful idiot on the left for Putin Trump, just like uh, Tulsi Gabbard or Glenn Greenwald or you know, any of the people that they 
claimed, hey, these are the real Democrats, the real liberals that uh, you should all really love because they're on, they were on Tucker before Tucker got taken off almost every night they were on. No thanks, Tulsi. I know you were over there with Russia Today, along with Jill Stein, along with Michael Flynn, along with all the other traitors, loving it up with Vladimir Putin and Fox News and Tucker Carlson. And I just don't think that, uh, no, I'm going to let uh, Vladimir Putin and Tucker Carlson tell me what uh, liberals and Democrats I should support. But yeah, they're doing that scam. Oh, they are going to build him up big time with all those trolls and bots and Russian military intelligence will be campaigning overtime. And if you want to know how much, you know, they love the Freedom Caucus and uh, the Trumpiest of Trumpers, just like I said, you can look on Sputnik News and they just fall all over them and against their opponents, which are the government of the United States, all our agencies and institutions, our alliances, all of our allies, democracy. Yeah, they are as one. Okay, let's see. What's... Oh, yeah. Let's recall what exactly Paul Manafort and Rudy Giuliani were doing in Ukraine. This is from ProPublica.org. President Trump's former campaign chairman and former lawyer worked with, between them, a deposed authoritarian president, a bevy of oligarchs, Russia-oriented politicians, and alleged Russian spies. It's from March 1st, 2022 by Ilya Moritz. Moritz. Though Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine is just days old, Russia has been working for years to influence and undermine the independence of its smaller neighbor. As it happens, some Americans have played a role in that effort. One was former President Donald Trump's campaign chairman, Paul Manafort. Another was Trump's then-lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. It's all detailed in a wide array of public documents, particularly a bipartisan 2020 Senate report on Trump and Russia. I was one of the journalists who dug into all the connections as part of the Trump Inc. podcast with ProPublica and WNYC, which I suppose is a radio station. I was in Kiev retracing Manafort's steps when Trump's infamous call with Ukraine's president was revealed in September of 2019. Given recent events, I thought it would be helpful to put all the tidbits together showing what happened step by step. Americans making money abroad? What's the problem? Paul Manafort was a longtime Republican consultant and lobbyist who developed a specialty working with unsavory, undemocratic clients. In 2004, he was hired by oligarchs supporting a pro-Russia party in Ukraine. It was a tough assignment. The party of regions needed an image makeover. A recent election had been marred by allegations that fraud had been committed in favor of the party's candidate, prompting a popular revolt that became known as the Orange Revolution. 
In a memo for Ukraine's reportedly richest man, Rinat Akhavmetov, Manafort summed up the polling. Many respondents said they associated the party of regions with corruption and considered it the, quote, party of oligarchs, end quote. And it's got the uh, memorandum right there. Manafort set to work rebranding the party with poll-tested messaging and improved stagecraft. Before long, the party of regions was in power in Kyiv. One of his key aides in Ukraine was allegedly a Russian spy. The Senate Intelligence Committee report on Trump and Russia said Konstantin Kalimnik was both, quote, a Russian intelligence officer and an integral part of Manafort's operations in Ukraine and Russia, end quote. Manafort did quite well during his time in Ukraine. He was paid tens of millions of dollars by pro-Russian President Viktor Yanukovych and other clients, stashing much of the money in undeclared bank accounts in Cyprus and the Caribbean. He used the hidden income to enjoy some of the finer things in life, such as a $15,000 ostrich jacket. Manafort was convicted in 2018 of wide-ranging financial crimes. Quote, we are going to have so much fun and change the world in the process, end quote. <clears throat> in 2014, Manafort's plum assignment in Ukraine came to an abrupt end. In February of that year, Yanukovych was deposed in Ukraine's second uprising in a decade, known as the Maiden Revolution, in which more than 100 protesters were killed in Kiev. He fled to Russia, leaving behind a vast opulent estate, now a museum, with gold-plated bathroom fixtures, a galleon on a lake, and a 100-car garage. With big bills and no more checks coming in, Manafort soon found himself deep in debt, including to a Russian oligarch. He eventually pitched himself for a new gig in American politics as a convention manager wrangling delegates for an iconoclastic reality TV star and real estate developer. And you'll just have to figure out for yourself who that iconoclastic reality TV star and real, real estate developer was because we've run out of time. This has been the Servative Hour. Thank you very much for listening. And good night to you all. <laughs>